You're listening to Buy the Good News, Episode 53, The Organism, featuring Abby Dixon. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Welcome to another episode of Find the Good News. Today I get to share my conversation with Abby Dixon, a young lady that has been called to serve others at a young age. She has a kind heart and I feel that it is fully revealed in our conversation. Next week's episode features Breenie Dowies, a local lady that's on the Southwest Louisiana scene working to make sure you know about all the great things going on. After that, I'll be taking a road trip to the Water's Edge Food Pantry and visiting with Kelly Stowecki. I hope you'll continue to join me as I work to find and spread the good news. You can help support Find the Good News by liking or sharing an episode, leaving a review, or inviting others to discover all the wonderful episodes. Another way you can support Find the Good News is by becoming a patron on my Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. There's only one tier, the Early Risers Club, and it's $3 and 33 cents a month for that commitment you'll be helping me continue to produce even more quality content in the coming year allowing me to seek and share good news on a growing scale this show's mission is to take back the signal from the smoke and fog that's invaded so much of our news and social media feeds with your help on patreon that mission can continue and evolve that's patreon.com slash find the good news. Also, I'd like to invite you to check out Mike Brignac's new podcast, Feeling Twisty, available on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Mike was a guest of the show back in episode 48. If you haven't listened to that, I'd encourage you to check it out. And his new show is an invitation to go deeper into many of the topics Mike and I discussed. That's just about enough announcements for this episode. So take a minute to catch your breath. Shut out the hustle and bustle. Get your heart and mind lined up just right. And press play on a little good news. I remember when I was a child, those key moments that softened my heart. The events that really made me tender, that helped me feel for others. Looking back, I can see how often those feelings were turned off and on during my life. On reflection, I see the times when I saw suffering and misfortune of others as benchmarks. Moments when I felt my higher self, the part of me that longed to be a balm or a servant to others. If I had one great regret, it would be that I didn't string those moments closer together with higher frequency of recurrence, tuning my focus on them sooner. Perhaps that is why I'm fascinated when I meet people like Abby Dixon, a woman who seems to have found her calling to serve others at a young age, which is one of the reasons I couldn't pass up this opportunity to visit with her on Find the Good News. Abby is one of the founders of Azer Ministries, a newly formed nonprofit that is working to help people in our community using whatever resources are available for a variety of ongoing needs. In speaking with Abby, I learned that one doesn't have to have a lifetime of pains and tragedies to fuel a desire to help. In Abby's case, her heart started opening up to the people around her as early as eight years old, and she's used the energy of the things she's witnessed as a child to draw her closer to the divine heart a spirit that has set her on a mission. The mission that she is committed to is simple. Love others. Love those that society deems unlovable. Love beyond the boundaries erected by legalism, tradition, and prescribed forms. Abby quite clearly senses her place within the body of humanity, the place of a servant. And with kindness, gentleness, and humility, 
She settles into this space with each passing day. I can't go back and stitch the moments of sweetness in my life any closer together than they already are. But after visiting with Abby, I am fully convinced that I can make the days I have left more joyful, filled with service, and kinder still. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives. Discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm going to find the good. I like the focus mm-hmm. because uh, the world kind of shuts out. Yeah. But so thank you. Anyway, I'm, we'll get all over the place <laughs> if I don't narrow it down. So thanks for coming over. Yeah. And uh, I don't know a lot about you. This is awesome. It's, <laughs> I say this to a lot of people on the show. I said, I know just as much as I can find out by stalking you online. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so if I ever get a guest that doesn't have an online profile, I'm really not going to be in trouble. But, you know. Uh, you were recommended to come on the show. And I said, oh, yeah, every time I get a recommendation, I try to go sniff it out, you know, mm-hmm. and see where it leads. And so you're, um, you've started a new nonprofit, right? And it's kind of on the front end. Yes, it's kind of brand new. Um, it actually started with, um, I work at Signature Salon, so I'm one of the managers there at Signature Salon. And okay. um, I don't know if you know anything about. I, I know a little bit about it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've actually, what's the owner's name? Wendy. Wendy. I've Wendy met Wendy McCown, years yeah. ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. She does all her own graphics and stuff now, right? She used to. I think she went to graphic design school for a little yeah. while. Uh, we've kind of, we've had different people come in and do different yeah. things. But She's always had a good brand, though. She, yeah, that's one thing about signatures I love is I've been there almost two years, two years next month. Um, just the culture there yeah. is so different. So I don't know if you know a lot about the hair industry, but no. a lot of it is like Fill most, me in. most salons are, you know, people go there to gossip and people go there to, you know, just, <laughs> it's it's just kind of how it is. But she, she started it 23 years ago. So it's been around for a long time. Yeah, two, um, over two decades. Yeah, That's a while. It's yeah. amazing. But, um, she's just, since she started it, her and her husband Gareth have wanted it to be just like a Christian based salon. So okay. we, we play Christian music. And when you come in, it's very like, we want to be an encouragement to our clients and we want to be there for our clients and um, just always help them to see the positive. We always wow. try to keep everything as positive as we can there. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah. You don't hear that a lot from vanity industries, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that as a slight. No, but, it's true. But you're dealing with vanity. Yeah. And when you deal with vanity, most of the time in the world, it can almost become poisonous. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that y'all are pairing. Yeah. Uh, so in the past few years, we've kind of turned it to our like slogan, I guess you could say. We have it painted on the side of our building as "Be beautiful. So we want ah, it to just be like, wow, okay. 
your beauty is inside of you. We're just here to help you, you know, be creative yeah, with your make, hair. Yeah, and, yeah. The outside and the inside <laughs> yeah. kind of come together. Um, but another thing with our salon is our team culture. Like, we, we run as a team. Like, it's not like you rent a chair and you just work here. Like, we're all a team. It's okay. commission-based. So everything we do there is team-based, and we try to really pour into our employees, too. So that's something that she has just really instilled in me is, like, She's invested in me a lot and just poured into me and helped me to learn different things. So the way that this ministry started was um, I was working at the salon and I've always had a really huge passion for ministry. That's just always what I've known I've wanted to do with my life. Really? um, When did that start? I'm going to keep derailing you, but like, yeah, where does that begin? Um, So as a child, like I've always been involved in church and missions and stuff like that. My family's very involved in that. But um, when I was really young, my dad was asked to like help start a church plant in Grand Lake, which you wouldn't think, you know, Grand Lake, it's just down the road, but it, there's really like a lot of brokenness there and a lot of hurt there. So um, we were asked to go help start a church. So I was probably seven or eight, maybe like eight or nine. Um, but we started a church in like a, it was in a trailer park. So there was a lot of like low income and like drug abuse and alcohol abuse and stuff there so at a very young age I was around that and it really opened my eyes to what the world was like because you know I was just a little sheltered kid I didn't really know was it was that hard at first? At first how old it, are you at this time? I mean, I'm just like, give me a framework of how old you are. Right you, now? You no, know, when, you, when you experience yeah, that. Yeah, I was probably eight or nine. Oh, okay. So yeah. I have a child that, that that's that age. So that's, that's good. It yeah. helps me see the picture. Yeah, I was pretty young. Um, I had never, I mean, parts of my family, we have like drug addiction and stuff like that in my family. So I'd seen it. Sure. But the, what really impacted me the most is there were kids there my age whose families were like that and whose parents were like that and it was I saw the hurt in them and I saw how much it affected them even though they acted you know all big and tough and like they didn't and you're young to be experiencing yeah having those thoughts yeah it was very eye-opening for me and I've always just been you know I love people and I want to help people I want to be around people so that really opened my eyes and then just throughout my life different opportunities God has given me to just be around people and help people have just further instilled that in me of that's what I want to do with my life. So, um, working at the salon, it is the service industry. So you are helping people a lot. Um, but my side of it's more like the behind the scenes. Okay. Um, but I was talking with Wendy one day, my boss and just telling her like how I just felt like I needed to be doing more. Like I needed Uh, to be serving people. I needed to be helping people. You had a desire beyond Uh, the scope of where you were serving at Um, that time. And she was like, okay, okay. I understand. Cause I was kind of telling her I was like looking for opportunities to like do that. And, um, she called me probably the next day and was like, Hey, can you come meet with me and Gareth at Starbucks? And I was like, Oh gosh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so <laughs> right, um, right. we went and met and they sat down with me and Gareth started her husband. He started sharing. Um, he had just had this passion for ministry as well. And, um, it was something that was, he had felt God telling him he needed to do too. So he was kind of feeling the same thing I was feeling of like, I have this passion inside of me, and I have this drive to do this, and I know it's from God, so I need to be doing something about it. Yeah, you need to point it, it somewhere, yeah. right? Take um, an action. But he brought up <clears throat> the scripture, James one twenty seven, that says, Pure and undefiled religion is helping widows and orphans in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you, which is a really powerful verse. Like, there's lots of different parts to it, and we kind of broke that down as we were talking, but he was explaining how his main passion he um owns a construction company yeah so that's something that like he wants to use what god has given him 
like the tools he has to be able to help others. Yeah. So like, whereas my passion is more ministering to children and being around those people, his is like practical needs that these people need. Food, water, shelter, yeah, like yeah. living, living yeah. arrangements. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we were kind of talking like, how can we bring these things together and how can we do something for good? Yeah. Like that. Um, so he brought up the idea of, you know, helping people with their houses that are in disrepair that need you know walls fixed or they need the houses painted or they have structural damage that is keeping them from having quality of life you know things yeah. like that right um so we started talking then that was in october of last year i think so so right. it's been kind of a like process to getting where we are now yeah um so we started out just doing um i used to do apartment ministry okay. in like draws so what's that apartment ministry yeah. Um, it's, it's really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. I lived in an apartment complex for a year in Lake Charles, um, that just had a lot of brokenness in it. It was just a lot of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, just broken families, you know, stuff like that, um, in the apartment complex. But I would, uh, I lived there for a year and we would do, um, like tutoring after school tutoring for the kids we would have events where we would have like block parties and everybody could come we'd give them free food and so you created a sense of safety and community yeah. and happy space yeah and yeah in the midst of mm-hmm. some broken because it i mean i saw things there that just broke my heart kids in places that they had no business being you know knowing things that they so sad to know that mm. they know what that is you know right right because <laughs> of exposure so little, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so we started doing like block parties there, getting involved and um, just doing stuff there. We did a coat drive there, um, where we like collected coats at the salon. We had our clients come bring in coats because we that was a big part of it too. We wanted our clients to get involved too, because it wasn't just us doing all these things. We wanted to empower other people. Right, to do right. Things yeah, you, well. you give somebody that chance, and then they will turn around and do good themselves. Yeah, and yeah. it was so awesome to see the people that would come and they'd read the sign and be like, "That wait, I'll, I'll go home." And get stuff now it's like when you give people an opportunity to serve and to help they want to it's like mm. so many people are looking for an opportunity to do good they yeah. just don't know where a right lot of the time. right um so that was one of the things we did was like block parties and then we did um we handed out the coats and then um we just have tried doing little things and then uh here recently we did our first house project which was really cool to see um, it was a lady here in Sulphur, okay. actually. Um, she Her house was, she's raising her three grandkids, I think. She, like, took them in when her son passed away, and mm. she was just single, single grandmother raising her grandkids. And she had a house, but there were, like, holes in the walls and just right. things that needed fixing that she didn't really have anybody to help yeah. help her with. So we found her through a local church and just um, started talking to her, seeing what she needed and stuff like that, and then... Um, we went and we did the project, and it was awesome. Is that going to be the focus of the uh, the ministry I and think the profit? So. And the profit? Um, that's going to be a, a big focus of it is the like home repairs and yeah. stuff because that's really where Gareth's heart is, and like we have the tools. Like he had his tool truck there and all his workers, so it was able to get done like well, you know, yeah. not just like some people painting a house, which is totally fine and needed as well. But sure. The structural repairs and stuff we needed some like skilled workers yeah that that's i think i've run into that even personally if i'm being completely honest i mean 
there's people in my life that have those same types of needs that you're describing and, and they arise because you know someone passes away who had those skills or in the or the money situation has mm-hmm. changed or there was a death mm-hmm. uh, or they've taken on other people's children to help them and you know so much goes by the wayside when you're just trying to survive survive yeah. i think god you said that word i think about that every day you know how much of our lives are spent in survival mode you know we don't we don't think of it that way i don't mm-hmm. think sometimes we think of it as busyness we call it busyness mm-hmm. but a lot of times i ask myself well why are why is there this busyness and i think it's because people are trying to survive or mm-hmm. trying to maintain a standard of living that's very difficult to maintain or becoming ever, even more difficult to maintain mm-hmm. you know comfort and safety and a home where everything is repaired or the grass is always cut or there's not you know pings and dings everywhere that just are kind of falling to the wayside and uh i don't know i'm just seeing more and more of that in the world mm-hmm. almost like a gap yeah, forming it's a very like a big chasm between contrast between yeah people just trying to make it where those things don't really matter to them. They just want to provide a home for the people they love. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to watch myself too because <clears throat> you know, lip service. I kept thinking of that as you were talking. There's so many of us that can just pay lip service to doing good and and trying to help people and, and be better people, and that's good. We should mm-hmm. say things that need to be said. And call attention to things that need attention to them, but there has to always be the act, the action. Mm-hmm. It, you know, words without deeds. Ultimately, for me, I find that they, you can get tired of your own voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're not actually going further into the action, yeah, I, I just find, find it fascinating when I talk to people like you that uh, that fire starts burning in your belly to do something, and you just can't. It can't be quelled. It mm-hmm. has to manifest, yeah. you know, like a seed pod or something. Yeah. It needs to like just bust open and go yeah. go become it, something. It, when you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it, like yeah. that's that's the hardest part of. Yeah. You know, you God gives you this passion for a reason, and if you're not doing anything with it, then I don't know. To me, it's almost like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I would compare that. I I think about this sometimes. I remember when we bought our property that we live on now, there were these two citrus trees, and they. I remember we went and looked at it at night the first time, and they had said, "Well, there's two citrus trees in the backyard." I think. And so, you know, when I went back there to look at them, there was actually it was just nothing but these terrible thorns i mean just huge thorns there was no citrus on it and uh i would always have to cut around them and they had blood on them from birds that would try to land there and actually be pierced and i finally i said i've just got to cut these things down but at one point those trees were bearing fruit right Mm -hmm. and somebody told me and i don't know if this is true i never looked into it before i cut them down but i I thought they were kind of a meditation it was like at one point these things did bear fruit but nobody was picking it Mm -hmm. you know and at some point that turns into thorns or it just becomes a thing that's just of no value anymore and i I mean i think you can that can be said for that fire in your belly it it could just fizzle out and die or become something even almost rotten if it's Mm -hmm. not manifested out into the world or let to like the vines to grow and and do things yeah and that's something too i feel like excuse me so many times we think that only certain people can have that passion, you know, mm, like, right. So you have to be many, special yeah. or chosen or something. Yeah, and right. That's something, yeah. This is a big part of my, my story. And like what I, what I believe is, um, when I was 15, I went to a conference and this, the speaker there was talking about 
Um, I had heard many people my whole life say, well, I'm called to this. I'm mm-hmm. called to missions here. I'm called to do this here. and Or say, I'm not called there. I'm glad somebody else is called there because I'm not. And mm. it, it always confused me. I was like, well, how can you make, how can you choose where you're, right. suppo- what you're supposed to? But um, the pastor there, he was talking about how we're all called. Like, if you are a follower of Christ, if you choose to be a follower of Christ, if you choose to you know, live your life for him, you're called to do that because that's what Jesus came to earth. And he, his whole story is like, that is what we are called to share with others. Um, and that really impacted me a lot. So I was like, that is, that's my calling. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not special to me. It's not special to the pastor at my church. You know, it's, it's everyone. We're all called to go out and serve others and love people and do all of these things, no matter where we are, whether we're at in our hometown, whether we're in Africa, you know, it's yeah. all over the place. And well, I mean, it's like the famous and, and overly quoted, not, I can't overly quote it, I guess, <laughs> but the, it's quoted often, uh, Mother Teresa saying, you know, you don't have to go to Calcutta, find mm-hmm. Calcutta in your, in your home exactly. or in your backyard. And yeah, I, I love that language you're using because I find that it's one of the most beautiful images I've had of Christ is as a body. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to forget that sometimes because, you know, when we say, at least for me, and I can only speak from, from my own experience, but when I, I sometimes hear Christ as sort of outside of it's Christ is over there. And he even yeah. flatly says, some are going to say over there, some are going to say over here, but we, we almost sometimes get this impression that it's out there somewhere beyond us but mm-hmm. when we start thinking of it as, as an organism as a body as a church mm-hmm. then i think of my i start to apply it to my own body and so if i prick my finger on a thorn mm-hmm. my other hand rushes over or i put it in my mouth and i suck on it and say ow and then i put a band one hand goes to the mm-hmm. other hand to put a band-aid on it or I've always, my body responds to the pains within the different extremities mm-hmm. with the other limbs or the things inside mm-hmm. of ourselves. Um, when I, when I need rest, my mind, you know, you go to sleep. There's all these things that mm-hmm. keep us in tune as a body. And I think that, uh, when I think of Christ that way, how could you not want to be the compress on a wound for somebody else? Mm-hmm. Your, your mission as a part of that body is to help the other. Yeah. It's literally what we were told to do (laughs) yeah it's so plain and simple yeah i think we try to overcomplicate it so much i think you're right i I, it's more pure than that you know yeah and we try to separate it with denominations and like i'm this way and you're this way and our our churches can't do things together because we're so different right as the body of christ we are supposed to be unified like each part of the body has a purpose and it has a purpose to be used like it's hard uh, yeah. to, it, I think, I don't know what's going on in our world right now. It's uh, painful to see. Um, I almost sometimes just have to take take a minute and, and take a longer view. The other day I was talking to somebody online and I said, you know, I think maybe our problem is, and why we can't get it together, is because we're using human time scales mm-hmm. to measure everything, right? So we look at the world and we see discord and we see the body broken and we see people who have a different rhetoric than than Mm -hmm. maybe what we have and then just all this division and so we get caught in that and we're we're seeing it from like our time scale but if we could see it from like a longer arc ultimately this body 
you know, like somebody, I, my, my perspective on it was, I said, you know, we, we think tend to think in historical pinpoints. We go, Christ was born. He died. Mm-hmm. He was, he was uh, resurrected. Then this happened. This happened. So we're looking at it on a line. I said, but as a body, as a church, as a, if you look at it from a, a being, I said, is it possible that in a time scale, the divine time scale, that perhaps that body is actually still becoming and so we're looking at it as like, oh, we're damaged, mm-hmm. but maybe we're actually all this pain and suffering and this brokenness is a part of becoming yeah. finally something we're more all, beautiful. We're all constantly growing. Like we're, we're not just, you become a Christian and then you're, you're perfect. You right. know, it's, that a, it's definitely right. not the truth, <laughs> um, right. but it's a constant every day. We're growing closer to Christ individually and as a body, you know, it's, yeah. we're learning who he is and how he is through his word and through, you know, prayer and through other people too. That's something God has really been showing me lately is like, I can read a scripture over and over again. And in my mind, it'll only mean one thing. And then I talk to someone else who's read the same thing and they're seeing something totally different. And that helps me to grow, you know, like it's through other people. It's through community. That's so important too. I feel like it's something newer in my life almost like I feel like when I was younger, it was more so I needed to focus on my relationship with God and I needed Uh to grow myself and like I had to do all of these things. But the older I get, God is just teaching me like how important it is to rely on other people to help us, you know, Mm -hmm. like I have such a hard time relying on other people. I I do too. I do. But I will ultimately do it, but I do have a hard time with it. Yeah. But just... You know, God, when Jesus came, he had a group of people around him. He had community. He had 12 disciples that came with him everywhere who were his best friends that he poured into. And they, like, in the same way, I feel like we need to have a community of people around us pouring into us and us pouring Mm. into them to be able to grow. Because that's some of the, like, strongest things I've been a part of and things that have produced the most fruit have been a group of people all pouring into each other and sharing ideas and growing together. It's never just mm. one person. I know? love that. I, the visual that I, I just keep getting is, is of a table that's just set and nobody fixes their own meal. You know, the person mm-hmm. next to you pours your cup for you and makes your plate. And then you do the same for the person next mm-hmm. to you. And it just is this, this cycle of that. Yeah. I mean, and I'm happy. I know it. Look, as much as I enjoy talking on Find the Good News about making a change, I'd be less than honest if I didn't admit that change is hard sometimes. I should get more quiet time. I should exercise more, walk more, sleep more. And the one thing that I know I should do without a doubt is eat better, healthier, and fresher. But there's a wide berth between knowing something and actually doing something about it. I love to cook, but just like those other should do's, I don't always make the time. This is where I have to tell you about Fresh Fuel because it takes procrastination out of my way. Fresh Fuel is a fresh take on getting healthy, wholesome, and satisfying foods in your life as a kickstarter to critical change that lasts. When you sign up for a Fresh Fuel program at thefreshfuel.com, you'll find tiers for your specific level of can't get up and go. I know I found mine. My friend and founder of Fresh Fuel, Megan Abraham, wants to do one thing and one thing only. She wants you and your family to eat healthier, delicious, home-cooked meals. That's it. 
With fresh fuel, Megan has taken all of the I can't do it out of putting better meals in front of the people you care about. And she's quick to remind that one of those people should include you. Go to thefreshfuel.com and choose the program that's right for you. Megan provides you with the recipes, supply lists, links, videos, goals, and very important here, access to the Fresh Fuel Facebook group where you can connect with other fresh fuelers, real people just like you and me, making the same journey. What I love most about meal prepping with Fresh Fuel is that you don't have to do it alone. Megan is right there with you every step of the way, making the same changes you are. Fresh fuel isn't a diet. It's a life change for those of us that just have trouble changing. Since I signed up for Fresh Fuel, I'm cooking more, eating better, and honestly, I'm feeling better too. I believe in Fresh Fuel so much that I asked Megan to offer Find the Good News listeners a chance to try it out at a discount. Just go to thefreshfuel.com, select one of Megan's signature programs, Fresh Fuel 28, the 28 Plus, or the 28 Pro plan, and then enter the code GOODNEWS to get 10% off your program. That's 10% off a Fresh Fuel signature program by visiting thefreshfuel.com and entering the code GOODNEWS. Fresh Fuel has been good news in my life, and I'm betting that thefreshfuel.com will be good news for you too. Somebody said one time, uh, that's always a sure sign that something's good and, and, and of God and, and, and holy and sacred when it's drawing people to the table together. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see something out in the world that is um, got lots of language of division, separation, the other is not as valued as I am. Uh, this is mine. That's yours. In extreme ways you start hearing that a lot and you see that a lot and then you start to i have a hard time seeing that as the way Mm -hmm. of imitating christ i just can't seem to reconcile that the thing i always come back to with jesus and the way he lived his life was just servant leadership and that's something yeah you know i've heard that my whole life growing up in church and stuff but actually at a at a hair salon business conference <laughs> i went to one of new orleans one time and the speaker was talking about he had hired this young girl to lead his one-on-ones which are like personal monthly meetings with uh, all of the staff members he hired a new girl who was young who didn't really have any experience in the industry but he chose her to to do those meetings with those people because she he could just tell she was a servant mm. she was a servant leader like she wasn't going to get up in front of them and say well you need to do better at this and you're wrong at this it was more how can I help you do yeah. this better? Like, what do you need from me to be able to do your job better? And what do you need from me to be able to grow in your business? You know, mm. and that, I, I mean, for some reason, that way explained that way to me stuck out more than anything I'd ever heard. And it, I just was thinking about Jesus and how much he did that. Like he exemplified, you know, washing the disciples feet and like, yes, even just that, like the people he hung out with and the people he ministered to like finding the woman caught in adultery and you know it wasn't he was just hanging out with the super good people (laughs) that everyone looked up to it was the literal people everyone hated right yeah tax collectors and i mean yeah like actually oh i'm gonna go eat at your house yeah (laughs) that wasn't something you should do that's just that is the gospel (laughs) you know that is the way i want to live my life is like jesus like a servant leader and when I lead groups of people, I never want it to be me just telling them what to do. Like, I, I want to be a part of it. I want to be serving and helping. And I, 
to me, anyone who's ever in my my life been a servant leader to me has made such an impact on my life by the way they spoke to me and the way they listened. I think that's a big part of it too, is just listening just to people. Listening. I just, I'm, I gotta ask these questions because I'm always fascinated because everybody's so different. I mean, mm-hmm. we all are so different. And I mean, you could take someone that is your age and exposed to the same ministries and the same messages and that doesn't stick. Mm. So what do you think that is? is you, why, do you, why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think all of those messages become a part of you? Because I can tell just sitting here with you, I mean, you're smiling the whole time. You, you're finding great joy mm. in this, this this idea of being a servant and serving others. That, that actually fulfills you. Yeah. yeah? And it makes yeah. It, it brightens you. I can like feel it off of you. Like It's like a, it makes you glow. And I'm sure other people feel that as well. And I mean, ever again, everybody's different. Everybody comes at things from you know, they're carrying things into conferences and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I mean, it could either potentially blind them at that moment to to accept the message or not. But I, as somebody who claims to be a Christian, um, I gotta watch it because I can get upset when I talk about it. Like I'm not upset, angry, but sad because I, I look around and I I I feel like I see. Um, those messages not sticking in our world Mm -hmm. like it's like um you said that earlier you said you know you become a christian all of a sudden you're a good person Mm -hmm. you have to do some work there's there's a calling there's an action there's a service that needs to take place it's a changing there's Mm -hmm. something that shifts you have to consciously work to shift yeah that's something i've just recently in the past few weeks god has been teaching me a lot about so my whole life i've kind of seen my relationship with God is I have to do these things. Mm. I have to read my Bible this much. I have to pray this uh, much. I action, have to, action, action. I have to serve this much for God to approve of me and right. for God to love me. And that's something that is like totally flipping in my mind right now of just how I didn't even realize how legalistic I was being. But mm. it, it's really hitting me now because when, actually a sermon I listened to this morning was talking about how when you become a follower of Christ, like Christ is with you, Christ is in you, and nothing you can do, no amount of reading your Bible, no amount of doing these things is going to make him love you any more or less. And when you have the freedom of that to know, like, I don't have to do these things for him to love me, it, it really changes everything. And I think that's so much of our culture is like, I want to be a good person. I want to do these things. So I have mm. to do all of this. And then maybe it'll, maybe God will love me. Maybe he won't. I don't yeah. really know. It's having the freedom of knowing, yes, I have done all these things wrong. Yes, I mess up every day. And yes, I'm constantly trying to do the right thing. But I'm never going to be able to do it. But that's okay because Jesus loves me for who I am. And yeah, that's, yes. It, it really changes everything. Every the way you see every opportunity, like I'm not doing this ministry so God will love me. <laughs> I'm doing this ministry because because He loves me. Right, like right. because He loves me, because He's changed me, because He's given me new life. I want to do this, and that really is the only thing that gives me pure joy. Is because I, that it's just it becomes such a part of you, and I think that might be a lot of what's missing in yeah. people and why it's not sticking as much when they hear these things is because. 
you hear these things about what you should do and what you need to be doing and what the Bible says to do, and it sounds almost like an obligation. Yeah. Like you, you said you that have legalistic. To do it. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants no. to say, oh, I, you have to do this or you're not going to be good enough. Right. So a lot of times I think we just shut down and we're like, okay, well, I'm just not going to do it at all. Because if I do it and it's not good enough, then God's not going to love me. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I've had times in my life where I've thought that same thing of opportunities he's given me. And I've been like, I'm not going to be good enough at that. So I'm just not going to do it. And missed tr- chances to share the gospel and missed chances to, you know, meet people. When yeah. I could have just found peace in the fact that he loves me and he's with me everywhere I go and done it yeah grown from it yeah man I, i'm loving everything you're saying i really am i mean it's 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 invigorating honestly because i i don't um i hmm, i guess just again I, I ask everybody to be honest in the show i'll be honest i've been disenfranchised a little bit from the uh from a community from mm-hmm. a church community um because of those very things like mm-hmm. you know the language of um that you're not maybe not me but people i love aren't accepted or not fully accepted as who they are for who they are as the way i perceive to be loved mm-hmm. you know as who i am <clears throat> not bad people you know but still they're they're loved too and yeah. they're not loved by the the body of believers mm-hmm. and so that's difficult and so it's kind of disenfranchised me so staying connected to my christian <clears throat> faith and roots has has become yet again hyper personal and private yeah um and so though that and that's difficult to maintain because you you're not always going to be around a body of believer believers that you can act with and mm-hmm. love with and, and and i do like practicing my faith i mean and that word practice is very important to me i like having things to do mm-hmm. and um things that i can touch that draw me in when i need it because i i mean it gets hard out here mm-hmm. right and yeah. i need to be able to dive in and do something and pray a certain way and and I, it feels good to do that with other mm-hmm. people but I don't ever like being a part of a form, but that is empty of substance. Yeah. Because I, then the form overtakes that. Yeah, I totally know? agree. I've been, uh, I know so many people that have been hurt by the church and so many people that have been just, it. it's people, you know, the church is made up of right. people. Right. <laughs> that's been a hard lesson for me to learn because I have been hurt by the church and I have had times where. I didn't want to go to church anymore. I didn't want to hang out with those <laughs> right, people because right. they were fake and they didn't, you know, right. they weren't committed to what I was committed to. So I didn't see the point. And that's something God has just had to work on me about is, you know, I I say I love all these people I've never met before and I want to serve all these people right. in these things. But the people next to me, the people who say they're Christians that are just as messed up as the people struggling with those things, like I still have to love them. And right, I, right. I still have to encourage them and listen to them and try to help them as I can because I'm just as messed up too. You know, it, it's hard. It's hard though, like not having that community because I have had times in my life where I didn't have that community. I didn't have people around me that were of the same mind you know yeah, right, right. And that's helpful sometimes yeah. to just be able to do that i mean i hate to say that but sometimes we all get weak i mean mm-hmm. it's hard to be a light bearer all alone right mm-hmm. i mean that, that that's hard work yeah um 
And so, yeah, it's nice to have people around you that when you when you get weary that you can lean on mm-hmm. in that regard. But uh, it's difficult when and you're on an alignment. And it's sad that it's so too. hard to find sometimes, too. Cause yeah. It, it, I mean, it just goes back to us all being broken people and that we're all messed up and our priorities aren't straight. But, you know. Yeah. I just think about how Jesus, how, like, the, the first century church was and how that was set up was, like, if you didn't have food you went to someone's house and they fed you. Like if you you shared everything, like those people, it was literally life or death for them, you know? And it's just, it's so different in our world. And even in other countries, like Christianity is, is so different sure <laughs> because I, it is a, you can't tell people you're a christian or you'll be killed yeah that's right there are prison. places in the world where that's not okay yeah i mean yeah that's something i think as americans that i i actually kind of if i'm being truthful i get a little bit like oh whatever about it when people <laughs> say you know Christianity's persecuted in America and I say are you kidding me like I'm going to walk out in the parking lot mm-hmm. right here and I guarantee you there's a cross hanging from like mm-hmm. 80-90% of the windows <laughs> yeah. there's a fish on the bumper of every car and I don't mean that as a joke I mean like that's not persecution No, <laughs> we're not even close yeah. and so we call it persecution and I think that I said that's just the veneer of like delusion that we live in that we're persecuted. I yeah. mean, we live in opulence compared it's to so some places. It's so easy for us here. You know, yeah. we have no excuse. Yeah, to... we're, we're, I was talking about that with some other day. There was a, months ago, there was a, a bombing on Easter at a church in another, uh, another country. And now it's sad. I can't even remember where it was. Um, but how it was really, it broke my heart at the time. And I thought, you know, so often, we're just like, I don't know if I feel like going today. Mm-hmm. I'll just go tonight. We have like options. Mm-hmm. These people have to go meet in secret yep. or under fear of somebody coming in and blowing them up and they still go. And why do they go? You know, because yeah. they're drawn to, to Christ and this, the, all the teachings and all the, the philosophy and all of it, the love, I mean, draw together. And I'm, I'm blown away sometimes at our hubris and just mm-hmm. our, our misunderstanding of how lucky we yeah. have it in this culture. I have some friends that just got back from Africa for a mission trip, and they always come back and tell me stories about the church services there and how it's just so powerful, and there's so much joy and like just pure joy because they don't have all of the things clouding, you know, the truth. You yeah, know, I feel like so much we add to scripture and we add to it to try to make it fit what we want it to say. And that's not what we should do. You know, we should just find joy in the literal word of God. Like we have this thing that is so powerful and so strong and has the power to help us through everything we go through in life. And we have the Holy Spirit who is with us all the time and he's constantly teaching us and constantly growing us and we just we add to it to get what we to we to get a sermon that makes us feel good when we leave and yeah I actually like a sermon sometimes that um makes me feel bad not for fiery um not I'm not gonna lie I mean like not a a a, I don't want to be motivated out of fear Mm -hmm. I think when you motivate people out of fear you're gonna get a fearful response yeah. right but if you motivate people out of love and that doesn't mean love in the sense of let's just make everybody feel good mm-hmm. i mean sometimes love for me hurts mm-hmm. i mean it's when somebody says hey there's this this tragedy in the world that's your fault and i i even i consider that love i go mm-hmm. that's my heart isn't aligned properly sometimes mm-hmm. i feel that way i go yeah. it's because i don't 
I don't feel the thing I should feel about that atrocity or that thing. And it's very easy for me then. I could go to Scripture and go, well, I don't have to feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. I'll go find some I'll Scripture stack, mm-hmm. make my own little kit. Pick and choose what you want. Yeah. And now I've justified my hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. And that's when I watch myself is when I feel my heart getting hard. Because I know that there are not broad groups of people necessarily, but there are individuals that I know that I still have a hard heart towards. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult. That is the most difficult thing for me is my hardness of heart on with those particular people because I wonder and I know I just have this sort of patience, I guess, and I'm giving myself more than maybe I'm giving myself time that I don't deserve, but I do, I think, in time. I, I do. I want my heart to soften towards those people. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, but it's gonna. It's just, man. Time ultimately is what it takes. Yeah. But sometimes I think, you know, how do you how do you tenderize something that's hard? You put it in hot water and boil it. And mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I have. I go through things like that where I'm like, oh, this is really uh, my heart's being rapid cooked yeah. right now to get soft because yeah. I need to I need to soften up on these things. Yeah, that's a big part of my testimony too of like when I was younger I went through a time where I hated God and I, I wanted, Really? Yeah, I wanted nothing to do with God. Actually hated. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. when was this? I mean, um, that's interesting. <clears throat> when I was around 8 years old, um my brother got involved in just, you know, drug addiction and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It, it was rampant in my my extended family. Um and uh, he's 13 years older than me. So I was eight years old, and he I kind of always looked up to him like mm. he was the best, you know. Um, and it was just hard. It was hard for me. I didn't understand. I was eight years old. I had just become a Christian. Like it, And I was little, so I was thinking, God is so great and awesome, and he loves me so much. And it did make sense in my mind why this would be happening to my family. Like, I didn't even know what drugs were. Like, yeah. I, I had to be explained what that was. But you knew was like, something was yeah, going on and it was messing up. I just up. didn't know why he, why this was happening to my family. Why, we were good people. We went to church every Sunday. And, like, I thought I was doing everything right. I memorized Bible verses and doing all these things. And then it happened and I was just bitter. Like, you're talking about your heart. Mm. It's hard and my heart was hard. My heart. I had no love towards him. I had no anything i just hated him i hated god i hated everything about the situation and i just it was years for years uh until i was probably 15 years old i i just i didn't want like I, on the outside nobody would know that, you though. were still doing the oh, stuff yeah. right like still going to going church to church you know serving ministry opportunities yeah. like doing all these things but on the inside i didn't care I didn't care. Like, yeah. I was just going through my life doing whatever I wow, wanted. Wow, that's because, a long time. Yeah. Um, so what changes? What changes? I mean, because you, you did say that when you – I guess I, I can relate to this. Mm-hmm. I really can because I had – I'm not going to get into the, the weeds about it, but, like, I, uh, I had an experience when I was a young boy, too, eight, seven, maybe even younger, where I was exposed to suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in my family necessarily, but some suffering of the other. And it really just sort of overwhelmed me at that yeah. age. I was, it hit me and it didn't go away. And I honestly still think to this day, that was like the initial cracking open of the shell, like mm-hmm. even at that moment. But even still, I went through those hardness of heart times. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I didn't, I, didn't, 
I would say that I didn't hate God or anything like that, but it was, uh, I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't think about it. I got yeah. to a stage where I just went, well, this is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I wasn't an atheist, but I just didn't put it, it was no thought about it. I didn't yeah. walk around considering that. Well, I totally believed in God and I knew he was real. I you just, just were angry. I was mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> I was mad that he let that happen to me because yeah, it didn't make sense. Like, yeah. I didn't understand why. And that, that I think, is part of the reason why I'm so drawn to kids going through those situations mm. and kids that age because I remember what it felt like and I remember how it made me feel to not know why things were happening and not understand why I was going through the things I was going through. And I want those kids to not feel alone because yeah. I felt alone through a lot of mm. it. I had a family who loved me. I had friends, but that didn't matter. I still felt alone inside because I wasn't relying on the Lord. To how get horrible me is that. that to feel alone? Yeah, it's... And there's so many people. I know. <laughs> it breaks my heart how many Me people too. feel that way. But I, um, I do. I feel you. That's kind of what one of the motivations for this whole show has been is, you know, I never know what, who I'm going to talk to. Mm-hmm. And that I like that. I don't know mm-hmm. what they're going to believe. I don't know what they do in the community. And the umbrella is very large. And that's okay because... Yeah. I just have this thought in my head because I know I've been that way. Just like you go to that conference and that person speaks mm-hmm. and it's the right moment, the right time for you to receive it. Mm-hmm. I just think somebody's going to say something on here that's going to, somebody's going to hear. And mm-hmm. it could be one person in the whole world who tunes into that one time. And that could it's be the thing it. that like <laughs> keeps them from feeling alone. Yeah. You know? Um, but back to your, what you were saying about like why that changed, like mm, why yeah, I got yeah. out of that. Um, I had just been involved and just for so long, just not caring. I was just kind of doing whatever I wanted. And I had fallen into just this lifestyle of just sin. It was just, I just was angry and bitter and I hated everything. And it finally got to a point where I didn't want to live like that anymore. You know, like I was just, I hated myself. I hated everyone around me. I just was so angry and that's miserable. Like I was, I was so sad. I didn't want to live like that. And I actually went to my sister and she's always been kind of a spiritual mentor in my life. She's one of the strongest people I know, but, and I just kind of told her everything. And I was like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like I want to follow God and I I know that's what I'm missing. And from that point, she just encouraged me a lot to, you know, get back in the Bible and just pour into it and that that was some of the sweetest times in my life with my relationship with God was because I was so hungry for Mm. peace you Mm -hmm. know I was so full of just so many emotions and even at that age it's just you're just going through a lot and it was just a rough time um but just the prayer and the like I would sit there and read my Bible for hours just because I wanted to know what he had to say Mm. you know and was it illuminating yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, did it speak to you? Like, oh, yeah. at, for what was your need at that time? Exactly. Yeah. There's a passage in uh, Romans 6 that's my favorite passage. What does it, it say? It? <laughs> it talks about, uh, it's the whole the whole chapter. I can't recite the whole thing. Yeah. But, it, yeah, but what yeah. is the. It, the basis of it is it talks about how you're no longer a slave to sin. Like, mm. you were crucified with Christ. Like, that part of you is dead. Like, you're, you're falling back into that sin, and you don't have to. Because I felt so trapped in that. I felt like I, I would never be able to forgive the people in my life that had hurt me. I'd never... I would just... Felt, it was like a cycle. I just mm-hmm. couldn't get out of it. And that passage just really broke my heart. And I remember sitting there crying, just reading, 
you don't have to live like this. Like mm. you, there's freedom in Christ. Like, and it, it just broke away all the legalism, all the, you have to do all these things right. for God to love you. Like, no, he already loves me. I can live my life in freedom right. because of that. I don't have to constantly be wearing, if I do this, he's going to be angry at me and he's not going to love me anymore. Right. Because that's how I saw him. I, I, I remember thinking like, what did I do that made this happen to my family? Like, right. what did I do? This is my fault. He's angry at me. So yeah. I just had a w- totally warped view of who God was. Sure, yeah, the ang- like the angry, angry dictator. Yeah, you know, and just that time I remember reading all of those things in Scripture and just learning more of who He was. And yeah, you start to see me. the face. Yeah, that that's something I've thought about quite a bit. I, I've, I mean, I, I've always heard that. I've never had that feeling, but I've always been. And again, this goes back to maybe just being young when I had this sort of thing happen that it, that planted something in my head, but I, I've always been afraid of that kind mm-hmm. of language. And it made me kind of run away because I thought so, so many times what I thought was, this just sounds like a person. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was like this, this, these activities just sound like a, a person. Mm-hmm. They don't sound like anything special. Mm-hmm. This sounds like I can go find an angry person who wants to tell me what to do yeah. anywhere. Like mm-hmm. I can find that anywhere. I can find a dad who will pull his belt out that the first sign of my mm-hmm. infraction anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can find somebody who will ball up their fist and force me anywhere. That's yeah. a man. Yeah. That's just a person. And I'm happy. I know it. Do you ever hear a good song on the radio that just moves you? Maybe it stirs your heart, but then it starts to move your body too. Do people around you say things like, you've got rhythm, or where do you get your energy? Well, I've got a secret for you that might be your dance coming out, and the Whistle Stop Dance Sport might be just the job your dance is looking for. I know your first thought, but I don't have any dance experience. That's one of the good things about this opportunity. You don't need years of dance experience to do it. What Whistle Stop Dance Sport is searching for is a multi-dimensional talent. What does that mean? Okay, I'll tell you. You see, dance goes far beyond formal training, though that is a plus. Being able to dance means you can take life by the hand and let it put one arm around your waist and move to the rhythms that flow your way. To be a dance instructor at Whistle Stop Dance Sport, you'd need to have experience working with children, good rhythm, positive energy, and a personality for people. Dance Sport works to enrich children's lives by offering social, emotional, behavioral, and cognitive skills that naturally build confidence. Through dance, these children develop self-esteem, express themselves creatively, and strengthen critical thinking skills. Does the thought of affecting young lives in a positive way stimulate your mind, your heart? Do you want to do something that matters? Something that could really change the course of a young person's life? Then maybe that's why you heard about this dance instructor position with Whistle Stop Dance Sport. You can send your resume or letter to Whistle Stop Dance Sport. 1518 18th Street, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 70601. That's 1518 18th Street, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 70601. Training dates for this position start in July 2019. So if you feel you may be right, don't wait to send in your resume. If you'd like to hear more about this position, call Whistle Stop Dance Sport at 337 515 7577. That's 337 515 7575.
888-382-7777. And if you do call, do me a favor and let them know you heard about this on Find the Good News. That's such a, that was a hard part for me and even just coming to Christ in general is I didn't understand. I, I remember thinking people die every day. Like people died on the cross all the time. That yeah. was a common form of, you know, murdering people who mm. were, you yeah. know, criminals. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. Cruel and unusual yeah. punishment. It yeah. took me a long time to understand why it was any different. It was because he was God's son. Like he yeah. was perfect. A different person, he, a different being. He had never sinned. He didn't know what guilt felt like. Like he had never committed those sins that those other people had done. And like at that point, I knew what guilt felt like. I knew how much guilt had eaten me alive of just how I felt. And he took all of that for everyone who had ever lived and everyone who would ever live. He had never felt that. He took it on himself and was crucified. God turned his back on him. Like the, his father who he had been with forever turned his back on him. And like, it wasn't until I understood that, like the amount of pain and suffering and just the weight of his death and resurrection. Like it, it made sense finally. Yeah. There's this book, uh, you'd probably like it if you haven't read it already. It's the Dolores passion. Uh, have you seen the movie, the passion? Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, it opens in the garden mm-hmm. and that whole scene at the beginning where, you know, we, we've always heard, you know, he sweat blood, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we see that in that movie portrayed really well. Well, as I after I read that book and then sort of going, you know, how, where have I seen some of these things before? Um, apparently, they took some things out of that book for that scene. But that book, essentially, it takes that that entire moment and kind of dives into that because we can blow right past that and go, oh, Jesus went in the garden and he prayed really hard and he sweat mm-hmm. blood and what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, we move away from the garden. But that agony in the garden is kind of gets into what you were talking about. Is like at that moment, and that's where as a human being, I think sometimes, and it sort of sounds like I'm talking physics and quantum physics <laughs> here, but I mean, I've really thought about this. I said, you know, in a moment where... I live, I, boy, how do you talk about this? So I live Monday through Friday. I live on that line, mm-hmm. you know, of everything's moving forward on a line. But as we're starting to understand time outside, you know, if we think there's a creator outside of time, what does that even look like? What does being outside of time look like? So the end looks like the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it's not like we understand it yeah. in this world of age and decay. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there is outside of this bubble of time something but it's timeless that's yeah. i can't comprehend no, that i don't think any of us can. right like so, there's so, no way to understand yeah you just kind of have to go okay yeah but if we if, faith comes into it right. and i've struggled with that for so long of just blind faith and i don't think it's blind like we have so much in our world like i just got back from a trip i took to washington with one of my friends and we were in the mountains and just you know, i saw some of your yeah, pictures yeah driving through the mountains and just seeing i had never really seen mountains like that or been anywhere the mountains do something north. to you yeah yeah and i remember just driving and just sitting there and looking at them and just being like god is so real like he is so powerful like he made this and how can i doubt that he's gonna you know take care of me he's gonna give me food to eat and a place to live and a future like how can i doubt when he is like the bible talks about how creation proves 
the existence of God because it really does. Like, yeah, I'm with you on that. And here, you know, we got our flat ground everywhere, but yeah. go, really going up there and seeing that, it just it. Oh, it's I've a kaleidoscope seen God of creation. In a totally different way. Like, totally agree with you. Just how powerful He is and how He didn't have to make these things so yeah. beautiful and so amazing. It's design. But he did. There's so much beauty and yeah. color and just manifold designs Mm -hmm. i mean you and you know one thing that i've always been fond of is when i see things that look like other things you know Mm -hmm. and we see a lot of that in our world especially when you get into like the fibonacci sequence Mm -hmm. of like a sunflower face and then you see the pattern just emerge again and again i just don't see chaos and accidents you know, I, I remember I was at a doctor's office one day many years ago, but I was staring at some of the charts and I was looking at a, a diagram of the lungs and it was like, wow, the lungs look like a tree. And, you know, then I went and started going around and looking around for other things. I said, so we really see like this sort of designer's mark, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we see a Van Gogh. We know it's a Van Gogh because of the style. Yeah. When you look around, you see the same artist at, play, at work. Yeah. You know? Now, when people make things you can see that begin to change. You know, we want to make everything nice and square and left Mm -hmm. and right and up and down, but that's not how the designer designs, you know? Yeah. And I I love how it just shows his character. Like I've always thought he didn't have to do that. You know, like he could have just, he didn't have to make us. He didn't have to come and like send Jesus to love and to teach us how to love and to teach us how to do all these things. He could have just wiped us all out, like if he really wanted to. Like, and what's the point? But of, he did it. Like, of of existence without living, without a living creature that can even perceive it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to to if there's no eye to behold a color, is there a color? You yeah. know, what I mean, and so we have these eyes and we can behold all these wonders. And then on top of being able to behold them, we can comprehend them. What a beauty that is mm. to, to look at it and love it. You know, and I think that's where I sometimes even that word sin. I think uh, we were, we're repulsed by that word as a culture in our country. We hear sin and we're like, nobody's going to tell me I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. But I think the some people even would say we need to redef- you know, maybe narrow it down and say, oh, there's less sin. We should be more open to things. But I'm almost of the mind where it almost is broader in the sense of we we sin in ways that i think we don't even think about Mm -hmm. we don't treat this life like it's a wonder we don't treat creation like it's a wonder we've not done that with this place that is our home i mean we we come from the ground i mean our bones go back to the ground and the next beings to arise come literally come from here that's and that's like a beautiful thing but we do not treat it that way and it's i've come to believe that we sin is uh a more subtle thing mm-hmm. and it's permeating places that we we give ourselves a free pass on yeah Do you know and i think a lot of it is due to distractions in our country it's just especially in our country i mean the whole world but me and my friend were talking about this the other day how you know we see in other countries all this you know spiritual warfare and things happening like you go on foreign mission trips and you see Um, people casting out demons and you know stuff like that which that's a whole other topic right right um i just think that same sin is in our country it's just we're distracted you know like we're distracted by everything around us we sometimes don't see the effects sin has on people the effects that it has on families like i think it just it shows in different ways it It shows through addiction it shows through you know right children being abused it shows through things like that it's but it's 
almost become we've become numb to it we have well we've been taught i think and this gets right into what you guys are, are provide are doing with your nonprofit. I'm kind of getting back yeah. full circle with that. I think what's happened is uh, we've been taught that I don't know. Again, off in the weeds, a capitalistic viewpoint mm. is that I work hard. I'm going to get more, and I'm going to take more and hoard more for me. I'm going to earn more. A lot of that has to do with luck and not just hard work. I mean, if I'm I get lucky to be born in, in the right family who already had resources. I get mm-hmm. born with a prettier face than somebody else. I get born and I have all my limbs. Mm-hmm. I get born and I don't have, uh, and society accepts the way that I look more than they do someone else or whatever. I get yeah. born as a man and not a woman. I, you name it. There's mm-hmm. all these judgments around. So we've built this world where we want to, everybody wants to steer towards being the type that has the power to acquire mm-hmm. and generation after generation starts believing this and then we start saying when somebody else has a problem and they have a home that's falling apart we go well that's not my problem mm-hmm. you know i've got to keep on the track here because i've acquired all this stuff mm-hmm. i've worked hard to get you know i'm groomed properly i got the right clothes I got the right car i got the right mm-hmm. job my kids are good and I think I'm just going to make sure they're good so then they their kids can be good. We're not going to worry about this person who's, yeah, you know, had this tragedy. sense of greed almost yeah, and pride of just I'm better than other people, which is so dangerous. And it, it you might not even say I'm better than that person, but it, if it's in your mind and yeah. you have that, those thoughts start happening, it leads off. And uh, we see so much stuff like that happen with wealth and gaining things like people fall into lots of sin with that lifestyle because it's that sense of pride because it's that i I believe all sin comes from selfishness Mm. honestly i believe that's the root of every other sin is like i want this even back to satan yeah i'm separate from the body yeah Yeah. you got god thinks he's smarter than you like you you can do all these things like that's how god how satan tempted even the garden like it it all goes back to I can be better than God. I can do all these things. It's me, me, me. And I think that's what we see back to servant leadership in Jesus yeah. is just, it's <laughs> so the opposite. And that's something with our nonprofit. Like, we don't want it to be about us at yeah. all. Like, we totally just want it to be God has given us these things that we can use to help other people. So we're going to them. Point them at other them. people. And yeah. I really think, like, people I've seen that I know that are wealthy or are affluent, it, it's because they're generous you know mm. like yeah i'm seeing pe- more people who are like that mm-hmm. i had somebody on my show the other day um who's using their they know that they they, they get it like mm-hmm. hey we've worked hard but and we have now because we worked hard we're blessed yeah and now we're taking that blessing and passing it on to the community and i was like that to me is is it yeah that, that's the we way need the more cycle people that will be vocal about that too because i remember growing up i didn't i mean we weren't rich we didn't you know I didn't know what that was like. And then getting older and working in the industry I work in, you meet more people that are wealthy and have a lot. And I was surprised to see how genuine most of them were. Because mm. I guess in my mind, just from, you know, the way I grew up, grew up, it was just like those people over there. They're over know? there. I'm over yeah. here. Right. And just meeting them and seeing how generous they are. And a lot of them don't talk about it because they don't want to sound, you know, right. I'm so good. Look at all these good things I'm right. doing. 
which it was encouraging to me to see that, you know, because God wants us to be blessed. He wants to take care of us. That looks different for different people. It doesn't always mean you're going to be super wealthy or you're going to be dirt poor, but he is, he takes care of us and, and he gives certain people certain gifts to use them. You know, yeah, no, that's not, it. I think I love your message. It. That's right. That's, that's a lovely message is that you get, if you get something, uh, it's meant to be given away. I was, I've talked about this in, in various aspects before with people that uh, the joy of a gift is in giving that gift away. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've received gifts before, not, not tangible gifts, but I know many people have listened to me and cared for me. And at one particular time in my life, somebody kind of really reached across the threshold and pulled me out of despair and it really was just by listening to me that was Mm -hmm. that was the biggest gift that they had was to just let me be me at that time in my life and just listen and you know that's the gift i want to give back and so yeah i mean if i was given it i I can't just say oh i'm all better Mm -hmm. now let me go live my life i got to give that back and that's where the joy really has come from and I, I can see that in other people i guess who have been generous there is some division in the world though i mean there yeah. is even a message out there that's labeled as christianity uh and i think that we are i'm seeing you're seeing out in the world a lot of re- pushback to that that you know god wants you to have yeah. you know a better house and a nicer car i know what do they call it the pros- mm, prosperity, prosperity gospel, gospel yeah. and you know that's becoming a dirty word because people are seeing, hey, I got mine because I did all the legalistic mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm not giving that back because I deserve it. Yeah, you it's know, twisted. It's <laughs> not the truth. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. There's so much of that in our world of just. It goes back to everything being centered around ourselves. I, I see so many people falling into that trap of, you know, God. God does all these things for me and like I am so blessed and I am so it's just I don't know that's just not my heart (laughs) at all it's everything I have is from God like nothing I have is on my own like I live every day just trying to do what he wants me to do and I just want that to be like Mm. I want to give everything I have because he has given me everything I have and that goes back to people's calling you know it's it's not some big fancy scary word that only some people are called it's whatever you've been through whatever god has brought you through i believe you're supposed to help other people in those situations yeah you you have a something something about you is unique and it's your gift to go give Mm -hmm. that to somebody And, and it could be one time it could be 10 times it could be yeah, I talked about this with a guest, my last guest that I had on the show, but it came from a conversation I had with a relative, you know, and it was kind of a political conversation. And I don't always love those talks because they get very heated these days. It's, it seems like it's always been that way, mm. but it, it's more so now. And I finally just got to the point where I said, you know, ultimately, I you have to affect who you can affect at the capacity that you can. If I go try to affect, you know, the country as a whole. I'm going to fail. I don't have the, I don't have the resources. Yeah. I don't have the energy. I don't have the gift, you know? So you got to scale back and just sort of learn like, where can I affect where, where's my, where's my circle of influence at? And then when I find that comfort zone, then, then I'm effective. Mm-hmm. Then I am affecting the larger organism doing my one little part yeah. and it has great value. I mean, you can see that just in, again, the body, mm-hmm. one thing gets out of whack and, 
you know, all of a sudden you got a swollen gland in your neck, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, why does this, why do I got this swollen gland? You know what yeah. I mean? It's little things, but yeah. there's always this, these balances. And when things get out of whack, something, yeah. something goes awry. That's something I've loved to see in my generation of people. Just, I'm 20, so I'm pretty young. <laughs> it's, it's been interesting to see how, from when I was in high school to now, just the difference in in the church especially mm. older people being more open to really? hearing ideas we have oh, yeah. really are you were you experiencing that yeah oh, good. it's i mean it's kind of rare but i have seen it more of just i love that like i love having groups of people of all different ages sharing ideas and sharing thoughts because everyone has something different like i might see something totally different from what they're seeing and it, we can help each other mm. um and that's something that like at my job has been really influential for me to see they've kind of given me a voice and i started working there when i was 18 i didn't know anything like <laughs> it's them believing in me and teaching me and like helping me grow like that is something that will stick with me the rest of my life that i will try to pour into younger people so yeah. that they can do the same thing and like i just i love my generation and there's a lot of things about them that are not right like we need to work on our a lot of people are listening skills and work ethic and stuff like that but when it comes to being you know open-minded and wanting to hear from other people and wanting to share ideas i feel like that's something i've seen yeah that's been good i feel like y'all your generation and my son's kind of in that he's 16 you know so i think there's that that zone there mm-hmm. I've all, I keep telling people it's an activist generation mm-hmm. um, they see what's going on in the world and it's not going to work anymore mm-hmm. I mean it's just and they're starting young yeah. 15, 14, yeah. 12 I mean you're seeing kids go well, this is not good. I'm going to do something about yeah. it. And then the adults have become, to some degree, I see a lot of apathetic, mm-hmm. uh, repetitive behavior. I mean, I see it myself, you know. You sort of succumb to your patterns and say, well, there's not much more I can mm-hmm. do. Um, I mean, I'm guilty, too. I, I kind of sometimes even take the approach of, well, I have to focus on making sure that my kids uh, don't have to do that so they mm-hmm. can be activists and they can make these changes because my generation totally hasn't important. done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's a need for both. But yeah. I, I love that it's, you know, we're going to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's his, that's yeah. my son's thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to do, he, he talks about that all the time and I'm fascinated by mm-hmm. that. It's a man so young and so fired up. I hope to honestly i kind of hope to protect that fire as long mm-hmm. as so you can get to be an adult and yeah. do those things you I, one thing that i've noticed as just talking to you and i didn't realize you were 20 years old is you just have this um you're very hopeful mm-hmm. and i don't always see that either you have like a hope about you mm-hmm. is that true is that accurate you feel hopeful yeah i, I mean yeah <laughs> it's if anything it's just i know that you know there can be change like things can get better people can grow people can you know reach to other people and help them and I've seen it firsthand of just that's something with this nonprofit too that's really encouraged me a lot is you know we sit down and we say let's start a nonprofit and let's let's do this thing and a lot of times like I've had tons of ideas of things I want to do and they never work out <laughs> like I'll go for like a few weeks and say oh I don't know what I'm doing and I yeah. just move on to the next thing but seeing this actually like happen and like seeing someone be helped with it was just like yeah so cool to see that you know just a group of people 
who want to do the right thing. Like, yeah. That's all it is. We're Come not together, anything special. We meet and we talk and we say what we're going to do and we, we just give it to God. <laughs> we just say, okay, God, this is what we have. We don't really have anybody else helping us. We're just going to do what you tell us to do. And he did it. You know, yeah. it's just so cool to see that. And I think that a lot of the hope I have for the future comes from just things I've seen God mm. do. Like yeah. it's not people, it's not me, it's God. You believe it. You believe yeah. that there's a that there's a power behind mm-hmm. your, your actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just you. Yeah. If it was just me, nothing would happen. You know, I would just One thing I got to say and this is funny because it's been part of your message this whole time is, you know, not it, things not being about you, but you know, we've talked about the nonprofit this whole time and we haven't even said what it's called. Oh. You're right. I didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's called Azer Ministries. How do you spell that? E Z E R. Okay. People we're, pronounce it Azer or Azer. Azer Ministries. Yeah. It's a Hebrew word. Um, my boss was like, "Okay, Abby, you need to you need to name this ministry thing." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, "God, please show me something," because I have no idea what to name it. Um, but I was kind of researching James one twenty seven is the scripture that's based on that I talked about is uh, just helping people mm, basically okay. being yeah. the meaning behind it. Um, so I was reading scripture and just looking into help. Like I looked up like all the verses it talks about God being our help. And mm. the name of God that is used in scripture is Azer, Jehovah Azer. Mm, okay. Um, and it means God is our help. Yeah. Okay. So I really wanted that to be the message behind the ministry of this isn't us helping people. It's God helping people through yeah. us. Like it, that just really personified what I was trying to make it. So um, it means like helper advocate defender like those are the three words that really stuck out and they're mm, such powerful they are powerful words, words. Yeah. i love it yeah. yeah yeah like advocate like i love that word it's like someone who stands up for someone when no one else will stand up for them yes defender like somebody who has, has your back and is there for you mm-hmm. and is protecting you you know and i just the, I, when i read that i was like okay this is it like it, i got so excited I was yeah like, this makes sense yeah um, it fits. so we talked about it and we decided on it and um, so yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's, I love that. That's uh, one of my favorite ways to pray is to pray through um, saying things in repetition, like mm-hmm. a mantra. Uh, but I found sometimes just saying them in English, I don't always have the same power behind them. And so uh, for a long time, one of the ways that I pray is to say, um, Hoshiana Yehoshua. And it was because I, I heard, I, I was looking for these Hebrew words and I said, you know, there's this beauty, beautiful like loop here. When we, we, we say Jehovah, you know, it was a, um, a cry out, God mm-hmm. save us. We're mm-hmm. asking God to do something for us. But then when we say Yehoshua, we say Jesus means God saves. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, what a beautiful thing. It's like, here's my cry out to you. Here's my deep, whatever it may be, my sorrow, my pain, my my longing, my loneliness, my suffering. God save us, mm-hmm. and then God breathes out the answer and manifests the answer, and that answer is God saves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Jesus. The and names I, of God are just incredible. That's, that's beautiful. Something that I, like I want to study more and I want to learn more about, but just the little that I do know about them is just it's so powerful. Because you know, a name is like yeah. It carries so much weight, and the fact that God has all of these names that all mean so much. Like if you, I'm sure you've done this, but if you go um, for anybody listening, you go on YouTube and look up Hebrew and meanings behind symbols and letters, and you mm-hmm. go down that rabbit hole for just one afternoon, and it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, I remember 
when I kind of started doing that with prayer and finding words to say because there was power in the word, the word mm-hmm. itself was a whole prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that and I was like, man, that, that, I don't know, again, I called a rabbit hole because, you know, I just went down there and stayed in there and I was like, did you know this? I was telling everybody, yeah. I was like, I had no clue about this. Mm-hmm. The, the, the symbol on top of the way it's said, the way it's written, and then all the meaning within just a word, mm-hmm. one word, you know? Yeah, it cracks crazy. open and it just keeps pouring out all this stuff. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. This has been a good talk. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed meeting you. Well, so this is the part of the show that you hadn't got to hear yet, but it's at the end and we do this fishbowl. Okay. So this is the part where I kind of give up control <laughs> of the show and let the fishbowl do the asking. <laughs> so every guest gets to pull three items out of the bowl. Okay. There's cards and little slips of paper, all kinds of stuff in there. Um, so you pull three out and then we'll discuss them one at a time. Okay. Sounds good. Let's see. Recent moments of happiness in your life. Hmm. Let's see. Um, here recently, so I've had like, I graduated high school and I didn't go to college right after because I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to go for and I yeah. didn't want to get in a bunch of debt over something. That <laughs> right, without certainty. <laughs> um, so I've just kind of gotten jobs and that's what led me to signatures. Um, but recently I've just really felt the call in my life again to just pursue full-time missions, full-time ministry. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually in the process of applying for seminary um, wow. in New Orleans. So How wonderful. Yeah, that's something that's been just 
kind of really hopeful, you know, for I've struggled so long with knowing what God wanted me to do with my life. You know, mm. like I, I do all these things and all these, you know, nothing I'm doing is bad or necessarily wrong. It's just I, I want to have like a central purpose and a central drive. And um, yeah. I, I've just started pursuing that, and that's brought a lot of happiness. To that's exciting. Yeah. I bet it is. I mean, I can only imagine how that must feel, mm-hmm. you know, to find uh, – to, for things to narrow that way yeah. to go oh now i i think of it just as sharpening a knife you know you mm-hmm. go well this tool is so much better if the blade is honed mm-hmm. and so yeah you're starting to get to that yeah. stage just where i want to learn as much as i can and grow and do wow whatever I can. that's awesome so when do you start um do you know hopefully january january still in the process of, and what's the length of that process um it's three to four years I, i'd get a bachelor degree there would you live there i mean mm-hmm. move okay yeah. wow yeah. So that'll be an exciting thing. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Just yeah. still in the process. God, you're, and you, God, man, I, how exciting must that be? I can only imagine being 20 years old and having some this clarity begin to form and to take these types of actions. You know, I didn't have that kind of 20 year old life, mm-hmm. so um, it's just it's kind of awesome to see. Yeah. You know, it, it's cool. A lot of um, the time I'm at in my life right now is a. Little, it's been kind of weird, you know, because like I didn't go to college right out of high school, and all my friends are graduating right now. A uh-huh. lot of my friends are older than me, um, so they're all graduating college, and I'm just here like I don't know what's going on, but I'm gonna figure it out. It's yeah. gonna be okay. I agree. But I, I'm thankful for this time in my life where I don't really have anything keeping me from doing what God wants me to do. Like it's freeing. It's freeing to know that I can just you know go. Yeah. Do whatever He wants me to do. Yeah, that is nice. I. I that's a, a different kind of runway than most people, mm-hmm. not say most, than a lot of people have, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's nice. And I can tell it brings you a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish people, sometimes I do wish people could see the people I'm talking to and I have to kind of translate <laughs> that you're, you have just this sort of smile on your yeah. face almost with everything we've talked yeah. about. So. Let's see. Next one. Mm-hmm. Would you rather? Would These are different. Would you rather hmm, start your own company or start your own religion? Oh, that's a relevant <laughs> yeah. question. How funny. Um, probably my own company because yeah. I'm pretty solid in <laughs> what I believe. Um, but yeah, I'd love to start my own, um, like a, a nonprofit yeah. that would help women get out of human trafficking and like uh, kids in bad situations. Like that's really what I want to do. Yeah, like have a ministry for that. Do you know um, Rusty Havens? Mm-mm. He um, was on our show, and he has a nonprofit called the Southwest Louisiana Abolitionists, and that's what really? they—that's what they do. Wow. Yeah, it deals directly with uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking of children. Yeah. Um, and I think that mostly they help people here in our area, but he's highly involved in that. In fact, he was um, recently, I would say, instrumental in really pushing to get Louisiana to change the marriage age laws because mm. I think it was I, I, Rusty will have to correct me. I'm going off memory, mm. but it was some really ridiculously low thing mm. like 12 years old or something oh like gosh. that and so now it's been changed good yeah and it was just awesome. recently and i mean it's a win i think yeah for sure i have to listen to yeah you should check that out i mean he's really passionate he reminds me of you in in that regard where he was affected by people's pain mm-hmm. you know at a young age and it's uh that was sort of the catalyst for the early roots of Christianity to get into him and transform him and then use him, yeah, you know, and he, awesome. you know, he cries for these people a lot. He sees, I think it weighs heavily on him, but yeah, you should just definitely connect with yeah. him. Yeah. I'll have to do that. Let's see. What's next? Oh, is that another one? I'm going to get a different one. Yeah. 
If you have to relive relive the same day for the rest of your life, which day would you choose? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. That is hard. Oh man. Relive the exact same day. Like Groundhog's Day. Yeah. I can't think of I've never thought of that day. before. What's any day? Is there a day that you were just like, this was a good day, though? Like one that when you really think about it, you're like, I really just... Do you have something like that? Yeah. I guess that's a better question. Like, is there a time in, that you sometimes can meditate on? I and God, remember this day. Very, like I talked about earlier, I went on that trip to Washington. Yeah. And just being in... I was in Olympic National Park. And there was this one place we went. It was um, this river. It was just so, like peaceful and like it was a glacier that was melting and it was like causing a river and um just sitting there next to it and Mm. just like it was so cold and just crisp and just clear and i was like i had my camera out because i like photography and i was like taking pictures like that's where i feel the most at peace yeah um so i would say either that day or recently i just took a trip to houston to see to visit a friend and i went to a half price books and spent like three hours in there going through old records and that was that's like my favorite thing to do so anything that's like just peaceful because it's i don't shut my brain off very much so (laughs) doing things like that is just i don't have to think about anything i can just focus on what's in front of me sure that's that's my favorite yeah i think that that's awesome i i i can relate to that with books and Mm -hmm. with the mountains as well because i love going to it's kind of to be honest, it's kind of sad. Like you don't find around here a lot of old bookstores mm-hmm. anymore. It's just like it's you know, yeah. You know, I, I do still go it. to the bookstore we have, but yeah. I, uh, in fact, I think about it quite often. My favorite little town in Louisiana is Natchitoches, and there used to be a bookstore there called um, the Book Merchant, and it was there for years and years and years, and it's no longer there anymore. But I was uh, reading a book the other day, and I opened it up, and the bookmarkers that they used to give at this bookstore it fell out and i was like oh wow man i still have these bookmarkers in some of my old books and it just got to thinking about that how soothing it used to be to go in his shop and and i remember ordering books used to be like go to the counter and Mm -hmm. go hey i just finished this book do you have a recommendation or i heard about this does you know anything else about this author it was a conversation now it's just sort of you get on amazon link 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 book 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 (laughs) and i'm bad about it honestly it's like an addiction i mean i'm like oh i'm gonna read that and i'll buy it and it's like three years later before i read it but it is soothing. I miss it mm-hmm. to go into the bookstore and there's the smell a, of the paper. There's a really and, awesome bookstore in New Orleans downtown. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. It, it, there's, there's a cat that lives in it. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cute cat. It has an Instagram. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it's just like that. Like, I could spend hours in there just looking, mm. just looking at everything. Same way with the mountains, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, it's like the feeling of just being... Uh, it's like I'm totally present. Like, I, yeah. sometimes I feel like I'm not totally present. Ever. It's something I work on a lot. Like, I want to be fully engaged wherever I am. But sometimes yeah. it's hard. There's so much going on. Sure. Um, Mindfulness is difficult. I mean, we, I, want, I agree. I want to be the same way. Like, I, I, when I am mindful, I've had to create rituals for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing that I, I do that... And it's unfortunate because it's hard to share with other people's people. Even my wife, it's hard to share that with my wife. I mean, but I like to have you know, meditation time Mm -hmm. where I sit and I have a bell that I ring and I light a candle and I I burn incense and then I pray and I I meditate, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that the whole ritual of setting up that little space, even if it's 45 minutes or something helps me because I can clear the world out and my mind just sort of all that stuff begins to drift away. 
Yeah. I know what you mean. I feel like I'm paying attention to just this little smoke coming up from the incense or watching mm-hmm. it dance, but my mind feels cleaner. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's so hard to just get rid of all distractions and like clarity of mind. It's something I've been praying for a lot lately. Mm. Just, I want my mind to be clear. I want to be able to, all the decisions I make, to just not be influenced by what is this person going to think about me? Or what is, what is this going to, you know, things like that. Because right. it's so easy to just fall into that routine of Very. just oh, I want this person to like me, so I'm going to do this thing to make right. them like me, and I, I don't want my life to be like that. That's miserable. Yeah. Um, so something I've done, kind of like you have, like, a ritual, is every night I, like, write. Uh, I like to yeah. write poetry, and I like to write. Do you? Yeah. Uh, just, sometimes it's not poetry. It's just trying to get my thoughts out in, like, yeah. short sentences, and that's helped me a lot of just... Yeah. I have things I've written years ago that I go back go and back. read, and it, it <laughs> shows like times in my life I was in to yeah. see how God, like how God has brought me out of those, and sometimes how I'm back in those, and how I'm like, wow, I need to work on that. Yeah, that's I, funny. I do the same thing. Like I, I, God's crazy. I mean, we have some similarities mm-hmm. in that regard. That's been. A, I don't always write every day, but I do find that um, when I do. Going back and reading mm-hmm. that stuff is of great, great value. And I can, like, tell when I need to do it, too. Like, I can yeah. tell when my brain is, like, on overdrive. I'm uh-huh. like, I need to go get my thoughts out right now or I'm not going to be able to, like, right. think straight. It's yeah. crazy the effect it has on you. One of the guests that have been on this show, another person you may be interested in um, connecting with is Julia O'Carroll. She does this tea at Walden. Um, but what... You live in Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. She um, has a writing group, and what they do is they uh, she makes tea and she makes journals. That's what she she started oh, her wow. business, and so they go out to the newly opened Tooten Park Walking Trail, uh-huh. and then they uh, go out there, and it's like a time in the woods to write. It's like, it's like a writing, not a workshop. I don't want to call it that, but it's like a space where people just go to be in nature and oh, write together, awesome. and then drink tea. Yeah, yeah, and because she t- totally believes the same thing. Like yeah. it's so healthy for you to yeah to capture your because i've tried other things too you know like just i've tried meditation and i get i can't like i can't even pray with my eyes closed because i mm. get so distracted with by my mind yeah you know, you know that's that's interesting that you say that because I'm, I'm reading a book right now and it's not something uncommon but it's kind of reiterates that about meditation for years when i would meditate or, or intentionally go to meditate and, and have those times I enjoyed it, but I would always lay it back down because I I had this idea in my head that I was meditating to get peace. Mm. I'm going in to clear my mind. And so I was like, immediately by taking that approach, I was going in expecting that while I'm wrestling now Mm -hmm. with my thoughts. As the years have went by, I've finally come, again, for me, and maybe it's not that way for everybody, that I don't go into it anymore expecting that my thoughts are going to just fall away. What I've come to do is watch them like... um, like I watched clouds in the sky or watched mm-hmm. the weather change. And so uh, the way that this book that I am reading right now, he presented it as he called it. Um, it's your uh, awareness guest house. He says, so you're just, you just create the guest house and you're just being in a, a, of awareness. Mm-hmm. And if you have a negative thought, instead of riding that thought, you just watch it and mm-hmm. go, Oh, I see you. You're in my, you're in my awareness house and you're a guest, mm-hmm. but you're going to leave. And then as you begin to do this, he, he talked about how as, as time goes on and you get stronger with it, then you're you're no longer challenging all these things. They begin to just walk and leave. They come in, they leave, and you let them go. You don't go, oh, I'm thinking about 
uh, this thing I need to do. And then you follow <laughs> it out the door. Yeah. You know, you kind of stay as the, the person who built the house. Yeah. And I That's liked cool. that perspective because yeah. it helped me uh, get find peace. I could mm-hmm. think through meditation more by allowing my thoughts to just be who they are Yeah. instead of fighting them. I'd ball my fists up oh, and yeah. go into meditation like, don't think those things. And then it's just like <laughs> this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Do y'all have a um, website or a Facebook we, page? We have an Instagram page. Okay. Um, I'm in the process of setting up a Facebook page for it and everything. But uh, yeah, you can always call the salon. I'm usually there if okay. you need any information on the ministry or anything we have going on. Um, we're, we just finished a packing up homeless bags and giving them out to our clients you know like oh, little really? blessing bags yeah. that people can keep in their car to give to the homeless oh, that's cool yeah so we had a bunch of those made and gave them to our clients to like bring them and disperse keep them in their at their yeah. yeah so that's a big thing for us is just you know providing things for people to go out and do good yeah um, you're giving other people that's actually really cool it's not just saying hey come join us it's like hey here's a tool because you're right people want to do good mm-hmm. they just don't always know, don't know how, how or where to yeah. point it so yeah um you can call the salon signatures ask for me or instagram i'm the one controlling that and what's the instagram it's Uh, just azer ministries okay Mm -hmm. e-z-e-r right e-z-e-r okay thanks for coming yeah thanks for having me yeah i can't wait to share this with everybody (laughs) i love you just as well thanks for listening to this episode of find the good news If you would like to advertise on this show or sponsor an episode, just visit findthegood.news. Send me a message and we'll see about getting your business, organization, service, product, or event on the show. I deeply thank each of you again for supporting this podcast.